You know, underneath all that charm, you're just one very sick man. Go ahead. You've been training for this for three years. Do it. Get your revenge. Come on! Welcome to Highlander Rewatch, the podcast where we talk about every single episode of Highlander the series in detail. I'm one of your hosts, Keith. I'm Kyle. Eamon. All right. And to start off this episode, we have a little bit of reader mail. This is from Zach O uh, regarding episode, what would that be, five or six, Bed Day in Building A? Yeah, something like that. It's been a, it's been a little bit. Um, so here are Zach O's thoughts. He says, I've been thinking about the morality behind Duncan's murder rampage in Bad Day. As you said, we haven't seen Duncan kill any mortals yet, so this didn't quite feel right. But now I'd say this is still in character, as this is the first time it's gotten to the point where innocent mortals are in imminent peril of death. He let Joan Jett go, but she wasn't hurting mortals that Duncan was aware of. Only the viewers were in on the baby drowning, that's for sure. Uh, and since Duncan showed up talking about uh, tardigraphical, cartographical facts instead of the threat to Tessa, he might not have known that scene happened. If he knew Tess almost got killed, he might have felt different, differently about being merciful. Um, he also let the rednecks go. I'm going to paraphrase some of this email, too. He let the rednecks go in uh, Innocent Man um, because no, no mortals were kind of in danger at the time. And the cop was kind of in danger, but as a cop, he's there by choice. Mm. Um, and then, his words, not mine, he says he let Asian Slayer go. Again, his word's not mine. Uh, and that's in uh, I'm a, um, Road Not Taken. Road not taken. Uh, but that was at the cost of their friendship. I guess immortals can burn the bridge for a freebie. Although I feel Asian Slayer, his word's not mine, deserve death <laughs> more than any immortals so far. The whole planet-wide enslavement thing, yeesh. I just can't agree with Duncan here. So it seems when mortals are in danger, Duncan is okay with mercilessly stabbing people. I, I don't know, like, I feel like there's something just wrong about him. I mean, in a hostage situation with armed guards, maybe he had to do what he had to do. Um, but killing mortals and letting immortals go just seems weird to me. Yeah. Especially t at least two who really didn't deserve to be let go. I, I agree. I think he raises a good point about the the actual threat to mortals in a given circumstance. But it's still kind of inconsistent. And I think... The episodes we've seen since then still reveal a very merciful streak because in the episode yeah. we just talked about, the Russian mobsters in Seawitch, sea -witch. Um, you know, they're pointing a gun at a girl with a kid. Right. And Duncan doesn't take those guys out. Right. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. For, for the most part, Duncan seems to be pretty merciful. So this is going to be episode number 10. Uh, the title of this episode is Revenge is Sweet. Uh, it first aired December 12th, 1992. The director is Ray Austin. Um, we know him, of course, from like the 50-plus episodes of Zorro he directed. That's right. And uh, most recently, we talked about Deadly Medicine, uh, which had some Zorro references in it. Um, this he was also written... directed an episode of Stilk Stalking. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm going to keep bringing that up. Uh, and this was written by Lorraine 
uh, Dispress. Uh, this is her only Highlander credit, um, and this is also her last credit on IMDb. Like yeah. it's like she stopped working. Did uh, this episode this. kill her writing career? Sadly, no. Uh, uh, she actually writes novels for the most part now. Oh, She's wow. a published author, and she does teach screenwriting at UCLA. Very um, good. Uh, this episode has a couple guest stars. Um, the big one is Vanity, and she plays Rebecca Lord. Um, and that, sh- I don't know, she, she, well, she is a big... She was a musician, She was a musician. Singer. She was kind of discovered by Prince, and like he essentially created a group for her called Vanity Six, um, in which she was the, the front woman of. Uh, okay. And it was called, the six was uh, for their breasts. <laughs> they had six breasts. That's uh, Those great. are the breasts. Yeah, uh, and, and their songs are kind of raunchy. Oh, yeah, their songs, Way. Like, that was, that's like their shtick, is like they're like super sexual women. That the choreo- Everything was like amped up sexually. And, and Prince even was like, he thought she was like his like female like doppelganger. Or something. Oh, wow. He was, like, quite smitten with her. She was also on an episode of Silk Stock. <laughs> <laughs> uh, she did, has done some, like, not too much acting, but she's done some TV. Um, I remember seeing her not too long ago in, I'll say, another great bad movie. It's uh, Never Too Young to Die, huh. uh, which stars John Stamos and Gene Simmons. Gene Simmons, yeah, Gene Simmons from Kiss. He is the transvestite villain in that it's like it's a weird mashup of like it's it's kind of a james bond ripoff but it's also like part rocky horror it's a very and also like part mad max too it's a very weird huh movie uh but i would definitely watch it it's pretty good like john stamos his like james bond character is like a gymnast like in college it's crazy jim kata yeah um so anyway vanity's in this episode and uh well she's she's had an interesting path up till now yeah she's a, a born again she's renounced hollywood apparently she had a drug problem it sounds very yeah, sad real bad. but uh yeah she found jesus and now i think she tours as a minister yeah she like speaks like around that. the country but also she has like renounced all her vanity oh, yeah. stuff like yeah she has destroyed everything that's vanity she no, re, no longer accepts royalties from anything that is vanity related that's like that part of her life is over yeah um Pity. So then the other guest in this show, uh, Christopher Ort. He's uh, Reinhardt, Walter Reinhardt. Um, he's done a ton of stuff, but it's like it's all, all in German. German. <laughs> yeah. The one uh, I noticed is a show called Helicops, which sounds amazing. <laughs> like, are these like Transformer cops who like have helicopter parts? I don't know. I, I assume cool. they are cops who get from A to B in copters instead of cars, uh, if I had to guess. But. Very good. Uh, and then the third guest, he's a, he's got a small part, but this is the first time we see him in the show. It's Tim Reed. He's the new police sergeant. Yeah. Uh, in this like revolving door of like the police characters. What, in this. what happened to Starsh? So we yeah. first we had Starsh, then we had Starsh, then did we have anyone else? Yeah, Starsh? we had we had someone in Deadly Medicine. Oh yeah, Car- well, Carmelli or Carmelli. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And he didn't stick around long. And now we've got. Uh, this guy, who I already forget his name. But uh, Bennett. Sergeant Bennett, Bennett Tim Bennett. Reed. Uh, He's got an impressive uh, IMDb. Yeah, I know him from like the dad on Sister, Sister. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's like his big credit. I That's think. so Raven. He's also on Treme, the oh, yeah. wire follow-up. So those are that's the the cast of characters in this episode. So the IMDb episode description: While browsing Duncan's antique store, a mysterious woman named Rebecca Lord inquires about a sword that he once took from a wa- rival immortal named Walter Reinhardt. Duncan agrees to let her test the sword, and he is shocked to find that she uses the same style as Reinhardt. Having never taken Reinhardt's head, Duncan fears that the two may be working together to defeat him. 
That is a lengthy it description. Is a description. Fairly accurate, though. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. that's, that does happen yeah. in the episode. <laughs> so we open. It's New Year. Happy New Year. 1989. Yeah. Ah. So it's, a fl- it's already a flashback, kind of. Yeah. yeah. An easy flashback, but a flashback nonetheless. Yeah. And uh, Duncan is fencing with a gentleman on a roof. And he's wearing, like, a masquerade mask. Yeah, yeah. I guess the idea is that they're both at a party. Right. Like, is they're, they're wearing tuxedo ties. and Costume party? I guess. Why does he have a mask on? Duncan doesn't have a mask. Right. But. Just this guy. And he actually removes it in the fight. In the so, fight. So yep. it wasn't like they were trying to conceal him for later. Yeah. For some reason. It's a little unclear. Maybe it's another Zara reference. <laughs> <laughs> it could be. Yeah. <laughs> But in any case, this is actually kind of a cool fight scene That's that good. they're having. It's yeah. Spark Central, but it looks it looks pretty cool. Yeah. So they're 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 dueling. Um, Duncan kind of looks like he's having a little bit of fun. So basically, Duncan gets stabbed and then chucks this guy off the roof. But he gets stabbed in kind of a specific way that comes back later. Yeah. There's a move that Reinhardt does where he like catches his, he like finds a way to like catch Duncan's sword arm. So he can't swing and then, like, stabs him. But Duncan kind of just pushes him over the edge and winds up with Reinhardt's sword. Yeah, it's a right. cool move, and it comes back as kind of like an iconic move throughout this episode. So right. it should be taken note of. One thing I was wondering, so they're at this New Year's party. I guess we're supposed to assume they knew that this was going to happen because they both have their swords. And Duncan doesn't casually take a katana with him I, places. I just got yeah. the impression that they both happen to be at this party. And both were armed? I don't know. Although, I guess we'll get into this later, because we find out, I guess, some details about how Reinhardt is going about the game. That's a so good maybe, que- maybe it isn't by chance. That's a good question. Does Duncan carry his sword around like how Batman always has his Batman clothes on underneath or <laughs> Superman? <laughs> Batman clothes. <laughs> Batman has his Batman clothes underneath his Superman clothes. Right, <laughs> yeah. His Spider-Man yeah. clothes. Yeah, that's right. No, but you know what I mean? Like, it's Duncan always have his sword with him? I mean, the you implication the would trunk? be no, especially because at this point in the series, he doesn't have a scabbard. <laughs> so right. I can't imagine he's got it with him everywhere. Yeah, also, I don't think he does either. Because also, there aren't that many immortals at this point in the series. Like, it seems like coming across another immortal is like a rarer occurrence. So right. I feel like it's like if he's going to the store, he's not like packing heat. Yeah, when he goes to Cookie packing Town, steel. he doesn't have his <laughs> sword with him. Also, he he's wearing a tuxedo. For this party, and that couldn't conceal a katana. Right. It's a good question. He doesn't have, like, a trench coat. No. I don't think we're supposed to think about it. Yeah, that's one of the things. It doesn't matter. They pull those swords out because it's time to get down to business. Yeah. That's right. So this scene happens, and then we cut back to the present, and we see, uh, like, this red Ferrari drive up to the antique shop, and this mysterious woman gets inside. Uh, or first she first she assaults some like ruffians in the, well, like the this alley. Rapey gang. Yep, raping away. Yep. And she vanity kind of puts them in her place by giving this guy like an epic ball tap, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. Well, she just, does like the Batman like punch him in the face without looking backwards yeah. thing. And then, yeah, gets him in the junk. <laughs> Which in context was much deserved. Oh, but, sure. You know. It kind of sets up this character pretty immediately. Yeah. yeah. So she's she's at the antique store to check out this spear. But then when she's there, she is like intrigued by a sword that Duncan has. And she's right. like, oh, what's the deal with that? She wants to like test it out. Right. To see if it's like true. And he's like, well, I've authenticated the Maker's Mar and this and that. Like, it's real. And she's like, well, I got to try it to make sure. 
And she's like, what's the price? And he, or she, it's like, we'll discuss it later after right. we fight with it. And Duncan after agrees. After I potentially ruin this. Yeah. Blade. And Duncan agrees. He's like, okay, Leah, let's talk about the price of this perhaps priceless artifact after we just like smash it against <laughs> other pieces of metal. Like why would he agree to that? Yeah. The whole thing is puzzling. She wants him to come to her home. Right. With this priceless sword and use it. It's right. Why and Duncan, you do this, Duncan also as an immortal is like, yeah, let's fight. Like he, no bells go off to like, right. man, this doesn't snuck. I'm not fucking doing this. Like, I don't need this shit in my life. Yeah. He's just like, no, I'll do it. I guess he just thinks that like, well, I, she's immortal, a mortal, not immortal. I'm great at swords. <laughs> so, <laughs> she also so I can take it. She like, also casually just asks him, oh, do you fence? Yeah. Like that's a thing that people do. There's a lot of like, well, at least this guy owns a bunch of swords. That's true. There's a lot of like strange like sexual energy between the two. Like, oh yeah, she seems to be hitting on him hard like all the time. Like I don't know. There's a lot of like innuendo and yep. Like and how well can you handle your like that sort of shit? And Tess is none too happy about no, it. So they agree, isn't. and then Tess, as soon as Vanity leaves, let's play this clip because it's amazing. Uh, here we go. This is what Tess's response is. Don't stand me up, Duncan McLeod. <laughs> and don't forget the sword. <laughs> don't forget the sword. <laughs> she's don't stand me up. It's insane. Nothing like her. She just yeah. sounds like she's got emphysema. She's like a demon. She's, <laughs> she's doing her Ca- Caleb Cole impression. <laughs> <laughs> it's like The Exorcist. <laughs> Don't forget the sword. <laughs> uh, so now we get into, I guess, the B plot of this episode, and they go in the back room, which I guess is Tess's like dumb studio. studio. <laughs> <laughs> and and Richie, well, it opens with Richie pulling a nail out of his shoe, and he's like, uh, "These damn nails!" And he's got a new job. That's what this whole scene is setting up. Yeah, he's and in a he's in a, a fancy suit. Yep, with, with the world's like ugliest tie. tie. Yeah. <laughs> And he is going to be a car salesman, a used, used car, car salesman. And the music in this scene, it's like it's like weird and cla- like it's like this Baroque harpsichord <laughs> music that's like tinkering around. And so Richie lays on like some thick sleaze, I think. Like he's like, oh, you don't understand. You think I'll be pawning lemons off on people? Like he's like, it's nothing but the best quality. It's like, OK, Richie. There- the whole time all I could think of was curb your enthusiasm when Larry David thinks he can be a car salesman. (laughs) 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 Only with Richie Ryan. Richie Ryan. Should we play this clip for that weird thing that happens in the middle of it? Like, that's, I think, unintentional? Yep. Yeah, all right, let's play this clip, too. Uh, We'll put this on Facebook. Yeah, it's strange. So this is when Richie is introducing the idea of being a car salesman. Used cars. Used cars. It's all commission. Everybody needs to drive. Basically, I could stand to make a fortune. Richie, used cars. Tess, I know used what you're thinking. Cars. But I'll be pawning lemons off on some poor jerk. <laughs> 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 I am talking about strictly quality merchandise here. So, top of the line. All right, so in the middle of this, like a piece of, like a wrench yeah. falls off the table. <laughs> Richie just like stops dead and turns around <laughs> and, and looks around. at Adrian Paul. And then the scene moves on. It's what's happening. Very funny. I, I like to imagine they're like, yeah, you guys don't want to do that again. Are you sure? Are you sure? And some, some producer was just like, keep it rolling. Yeah, yeah. It's just Richie funny. used cars. <laughs> Can Tess just have that voice for the rest yep. of the series? 
so that's that's basically that scene. That's just the yeah. setup that Richie has a new job. This is a really weird subplot. Oh, by it the is. Way. It, uh, it's bizarre. <laughs> yeah, I, I have a lot of notes on it. Kind of at the end of the episode, like what it does in this episode. So then we go to Duncan goes to meet Vanity at four o'clock. That's uh, right. And I noticed this house looks. This house, I feel like, is being used again. Oh, it's again. it's used in like like eight episodes. Yeah, right. like, so seen. I think this is the same house that Duncan buys the the Matsamuni sword. That's right. Uh, before anyway, they must have had this kind of local. Uh, so he goes to meet Rebecca Lord. Also, I have a note like her her name is insane. Like it just sounds like a porn star name. Yep. It sounds like Tracy Lord, like mm-hmm. who's a famous like eighties porn star. And then I even just googled Rebecca Lord. And, like, that's also a porn star. <laughs> so, Very good. Maybe uh, that porn star's Islander fan. Hopefully. And the outfit Vanity is wearing. <laughs> oh, this, this like, outfit. Like, this is, like, 90s Pilates outfit, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. don't know, but it's absurd and hilarious. My note on her outfit is just hubba hubba. <laughs> <laughs> that's my scumbag moment yeah. for the episode. She's a very beautiful lady. Yes. Uh, and also, oh, Duncan's wearing the puffy shirt again. Yeah. He's got it back. Well... He's meeting a beautiful woman. He's got to wear his pirate shirt. Yep. <laughs> uh, so they 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 uh, spar a little bit, and, and they're we... like flirting and everything. Yeah, it's very too. flirty. Yeah. It's like Ooh. also her haircut is like Elaine from early Seinfeld. She has that <laughs> weird like wall of hair. Just an observation. But she doesn't want to fence with actual fencing equipment and masks and things. No, like she that. wants to get into it. And Duncan again, no warning signs. It's just like yeah, yeah. sure. She's like you're no, a pretty lady. No condoms. <laughs> that's basically what this is oh god i'm that right. sort of woman oh boy uh, so she does a she <laughs> she does a sword move that makes duncan have a flashback in the middle of their yeah. sword fight yeah which doesn't make sense but they go to to england yep we meet the earl of covington in a uh, carriage as he's beset by like a highwayman yeah who subdues the driver and he, then he shoots the driver like point blank like <laughs> In the chest, and he's still alive somehow. I mean, I guess it's muskets or whatever. I don't know. <laughs> old old timey. He's just with like a flintlock pistol. Yeah. So he gets everybody out of the carriage, and they both sense, oh, we're both immortal. So this is just a chance meeting. Well, this was interesting because first off, we've we've often wondered about this immortal Spidey sense, right? And how it triggers. He doesn't know that it's Duncan, right? He thinks it's the Earl right. of Covington. I thought mm-hmm. that was cool. Yeah. Um, so this teaches us. This does teach us something new about the way the Spidey sense works. Right. Like you just know someone's nearby. You can't pinpoint someone. But luckily for That's the Earl point. of Covington, Duncan's on hand to save him this, from being executed. The Earl of Covington is the biggest wiener on the face <laughs> of the planet. Uh, the Earl of Covington at your service, and he like is flinching while he's sword fighting Reinhardt. What a wiener! Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we get. All of us here would handle a sword fight with a robber much better. Yes. Yeah. Definitely. Uh, so Duncan intervenes. Duncan's accent in this is pretty great, too. Yeah. Like, he is, like, right out of, like, the pages of, like, Oliver Twist or yeah. something. Yeah. Like, it's, a, <laughs> it's like a very old-timey London accent. Uh, well, this is kind of crazy because he clearly is playing with his accent a lot. So when he makes his introduction introduction or introduction uh, <laughs> very good i was going to say it if you didn't <laughs> uh, he like turns the scottish shit on way up like yeah. out of nowhere he's just like 
I'm Duncan McLeod of the Clan McLeod. Yeah, and then two yeah. seconds later, he's like, oh, I'll be there in a moment. Yeah. It's like, turns We're going to get on. you to a physician. <laughs> like he just turns this shtick on, which makes me reevaluate every accent he's spoken, on, spoken with in the past. That yeah. like, oh, it's boy. like what, What's he sound like when he goes to an olive garden? <laughs> uh, Mamma mia. Him and, this is the first time him and Reinhardt kind of meet each other. But they don't fight because there's people around. He's like, this isn't like for not a not a spectator sport. And that's yeah. kind of the scene. And it's like, okay, they've met. So we cut back to the present. Vanity and Duncan then spar some more. Vanity's not too bad. I think she's better than Joan Jett. Oh yeah, by far. Yeah. So okay, then we cut, and the McLeod crew. This is Duncan, Tess, and Richie are carrying. Like the worst, <laughs> they're like metal donuts. They're just yeah. a bunch the of donuts. metal spray painted donuts. The, this is this is the first time we really get to see like Tess's art, like in the wild, like because she's is the worst. She's won some kind of like sculpture contest, so right. she gets to make a monument or something. <laughs> a like monument that. to awful, art. yep, <laughs> to to donuts. But like, so this the city is sponsoring this sculpture in like a public park to install it. She just has like they just Richie and Duncan like lugging these heavy metal sc- and like they have to install it themselves. They just, like, bolt it down. And like there's nobody else around, like yeah. no like city officials. <laughs> like, wouldn't this be like a ribbon cutting ceremony oh, yeah. or something? I'm and like, and Richie makes some comment like they haven't bought art in years. It's like yeah, the geniuses in the C. Cooper like town hall meetings were like yeah, none of this garbage. <laughs> this is the worst art ever. Uh, oh, well, you know, it's just some prop person. It's like you got fifteen minutes, make me <laughs> make me some art. Yeah. No, exactly. I, I I can appreciate it for it in the in the context of like this is just weekly television. But oh god, it's it's awful to think about. This is art, right? But uh, so Tess has reservations about vanity, and kind of she and Duncan argue about this. Where uh, Tess just thinks vanity or Rebecca Lord is kind of a femme fatale. So back at the antique store, the punk, the rapey punk has been murdered right outside of the shop. So he, now he's just there dead. Right. Uh, and we get to meet Bennett again. That's right. And so this guy's been stabbed by an expert. It's a clean cut. So Bennett is questioning McLeod, who is known to have swords and have an antique shop. Which also, the cops on this show are having a contest to see who can look the most disheveled. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, every cop they bring on is more disheveled looking than the last. Well, this guy, he's dressed up in a detective costume. Like, he <laughs> has a fedora, he's wearing a suit, he has a trench coat. He is a cartoon character. <laughs> At this point, too, I was... It gave me pause, like, Duncan clearly thinks something's up. And right. he thinks, like, either Reinhardt did this or probably Vanity... Stab this guy. He doesn't seem to like have too much concern for Tess's safety. Like, yeah. All the time he's like, Tess, you gotta get out of town. You gotta like, I don't know. He doesn't see. It's like, oh, this is fine. Whatever. Yeah. Like, You'll be fine, Tess. It's weird. Also, when when they find the body, Richie says somebody got iced and dropped here last night. <laughs> so um, after this murder, Duncan goes to pay Vanity a visit, and she's there like practicing on a dummy, like she's doing like uh, lunges, right, uh, to the heart. Uh, which is coincidentally where this guy got stabbed. I have on, on my notes that there's some nip action here. Definitely cutting glass the whole time, like for the entire shot. Yeah, she's really they made sure turkey to, like, is showcase done. Showcase her, turkey's done. <laughs> <laughs> it's just 
So actually, I think Vanity's kind of a cool femme fatale in this episode. Yeah. Like, I think she she does a good job. Like, she's threatening. She's sexy. She's you know. I think dangerous. she does. She she does a good a good Highlander villain performance. She's definitely better than Joan Jett. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like not even. <laughs> yeah. a, it's not even a conversation. Even the physicality. Like she's just she's she's pretty good. But that being said, one thing that was kind of funny about it is Duncan the entire time, even when he's there, kind of accusing her doesn't actually believe that she's responsible for right. killing right this this punk he thinks it's Walter Reinhardt kind of back from wherever he's been uh out for revenge and one thing i thought was kind of interesting is Tess pretty much calls him out for being kind of sexist about yeah. this whole thing yeah yeah why can't it just be this mortal woman like she even makes a comment she's like i know you love women but like and it's like what like this thread pops has popped up before like with that black book in what episode was that oh right goes off uh oh yeah paris and she's like he's like i'm gonna pull out my black book and she's like you better not like it's like it's like they they treat it so casually and it's like oh duncan's gonna cheat on tess (laughs) and this is like it again like oh duncan i know you love the ladies but well, here's another. This is another example of Duncan's just right. He's just right. It turns out his hunch was right. Everybody else was wrong, and this constantly happens. It's kind of annoying. Yeah. Yeah, but the thing, the other thing that's weird is he has no reason to think necessarily that any that Walter is out to get him. Right. Because she is out to get him. It's yeah. not like she isn't involved. Like she wants to kill him. Right. As we find out soon after. It's not like she's not involved in this in any way, but he still sees through that to it being like this, a deeper plot. This immortal based on nothing. Yeah. Also, it should be mentioned. So, Walter Reinhardt is reported dead. Yeah, that's also. like a, a pu- public knowledge thing. Like, Walter Reinhardt, I guess, is his like public name. And at some point, uh, Tess gives some background on him. She looks him up, and I had written, I had to check like the subtitles on this, because she's like, he was a Wall Street parrot. I'm like, a parrot? <laughs> <laughs> but her accent, it's a pirate, a Wall Street pirate. <laughs> so I thought this was kind of neat. It almost reminded me of Hook, where Robin Williams grows up to be basically like a corporate raider, and that's like the play on him being a pirate. Right. This seems like something they kind of were trying to establish here. Like, he becomes this Wall Street raider. Oh, right. Yeah. Because yeah. he was like a highway, he was like a thief in the past and like this is the 21st century. Well, they even say that like the SEC is looking into him and he's in some shit. Yeah, which is interesting because it seems like he uses his fight with Duncan as his excuse to blow town and, you know, abandon his current persona. Mm hmm. So, in part, seemingly, because the SEC is after him. Yeah, I was kind of curious about that. Like, that gets revealed later. Like, oh, when he fought Duncan and died, like, that was his excuse. And then all these lawsuits got dropped and he could, like, escape with his fortune. Mm. Was that his plan, like, the whole time? Like, if he won that fight, what was his, like, was he just going to fake kill himself anyway? Or Yeah, and the other thing, though, is, like, you don't really get to escape with your fortune. It's like if people have lawsuits against you for your money, they don't go away when you die. It's not like, oh, God, this guy who stole all our money is dead. We can't get the money back now. Like, his estate would be liable for whatever his crimes were. Like, the SEC is still going to be coming after that pot of money. So it's really not a great plan, but, you know. Speaking of great plans, so the B plot is continuing forward, and so Richie's at the car dealership, and oh, we get to God. see Angie again. So yeah, Angie's, Angie's back. back. Angie, yeah. 
uh, from The Road Not Taken, and he wants to sell her a car. Yep. And I guess he's kind of like upselling her, and he's trying to sell her this like BMW convertible. Yeah. And it's she's like, ah, oh, like she's like, are these the original miles? Yeah, like I guarantee everything's great. It's a ten thousand dollar car, and so I looked up again the inflation rate. That would be a seventeen thousand dollar used car today, and it's like Angie works. In a homeless shelter that has too yeah. much bread and bologna. Like, <laughs> like, how is she affording this car? This is insane. It's that big bread and bologna money. She's got know. too much bread. Well, that's why they feed him bread and bologna. <laughs> like yeah. They skim off the top. Yeah, there so you go. So she buys it, and yep. that's just that scene. So this B-plot is surging forward with all sorts of excitement and mm-hmm. intrigue. There's a scene before this I wanted to mention. <laughs> Maybe we can put a clip of this on Facebook. Duncan's at his computer. And the way he's typing (laughs) is the funniest (laughs) thing I've ever seen. Yeah, it's really like intentional. It's like beep boop. Yeah, (laughs) he's 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 he's, what is it? Pecking. Yeah, he's like pecking, and then he's getting like frustrated at the computer. Like it's not doing what he wants it to do. He needs a software upgrade. Yeah, he does. (laughs) I love software updates. Before it seems like he's the master of all things computers and can get infinite information from them, and now he's like beep boop beep beep. Which I think it would be funny, like if Duncan had issues with technology, being Which, an immortal. Yeah, that, that makes that's sense. That's kind of funny. It's like the ultimate version of like your mom. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How does the Facebook work? Omicron. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but this, the other thing, great thing that happens in this scene, he's apparently sent Richie, given Richie a homework assignment to right. go to the, <laughs> to go to your local library and figure out what happened to Reinhardt, and right. he's the one who discovers that. Before he disappeared, like Reinhardt was in, like engaged to some mystery woman, right? And they've kind of figured out that this person was Vanity, was right. his fiance, and maybe that's why she is so keen to to kill Duncan, right? So then at this point, Tess walks in, and she she's still kind of I guess talking about her art and right. stuff. And I I have this note. She says, "I go back and forth between loving it and hating it," which is I don't know. I'm not an artist, but like. Maybe a weird thing to say with something. I, I that, think so. Like, yeah. that has been tons of money has been spent on. It's in a public park. It's like, really? You hate it? Like, yeah. you, you just gave it to society as a whole? Yep. Uh, she's like, so I go back and forth between loving and hating it. But she's like, I think it's my best work. And I just have, like, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> it's your best work. Ugh, this is the worst. So then, coincidentally, they get a call from the head of the bicentennial committee. Mm-hmm. World building. C. Cooper is 200 years old. In 1992. Wow. Yep. So 1792, C. Cooper was founded. Uh, and they tell Duncan something bad has happened to the sculptures. Uh-oh. Which, where the fuck is C. Cooper now? <laughs> right? Because I assumed it was on the West Coast the it's, whole time. It's on the West Coast. All right. Well, that's a pretty early, early founding. I don't think so. San Francisco is founded in like the early... Early, late 17, early 1800s. Yeah, by like the Spaniards, and it was just like a monastery. I don't know. I don't so, know either. Just, just throwing out there. It is, it is it's, early. Yeah, that but is, that is early. I think it's okay. So maybe this place is not on the West Coast, and or <laughs> I don't think so. I think it has to be on the West Coast. I don't know why it has to be. Yeah, I don't know why either. But that was just my assumption the whole time. But hmm. yeah, I, I thought the same thing. Food for thought. Yeah. Yeah, I guess so. I, I guess I've never ever considered. Actually, everyone on Facebook, where do you think Seacouver is? Like, if you threw out all the knowledge that we have of like it's called Seacouver and it's like filmed in Vancouver, like if none of that existed, where would you place this city? Like, I guess you're right. Like, there are no other clues to where this is. Yeah, 
And it's like they do talk about going to New York and they don't say they, they like, talk about going there a lot. Like it's like, oh, we'll go to New York. It's like, oh, OK. Yeah. And they don't say it in the way of like, so pack your bags and get an expensive plane ticket. Yeah. So. Right. Huh. That's a good point. So they arrive at the park to check out the damage, and somebody, some like courageous citizen, has done the world a favor <laughs> and like fucking ruined this garbage that's in the park. Well, just like, there are children. Just by- there are children playing, and they have to look at this stuff. <laughs> <laughs> like, but just by spray painting it. Sorry. Also, just by spray painting it. Also, yeah, they- it looks like spray painted plaster, so it can't yep. be that hard to fix. Well, they spray paint it, and it just is three, two, one, two, Un, deux, three. Trois. Right. The the a double udu toi, which just means double one two three, mm-hmm. and Duncan says that like it's like a special. Th- I I don't know what that means. Is that a special thing? I, I think it's a, a fencing maneuver. Oh yeah. shit! That's probably the move. I mean, if we have any sword experts, yeah, let us online. know. Because I was trying to figure out like why does he say it in French? What's yeah. the point? I, I think that's the fencing that's, move. Yeah. All right, that's yeah. actually cool then, because I'm like yeah. dumb. <laughs> like I don't understand what this is. So. Well, they have a they call the cops onto the scene, and Bennett is investigating this vandalism, but yes. he's also a homicide detective. Yeah, right? I'm, like, I'm wondering like what is his job because it's a slow damn seeker. Yeah, but he's investigating a murder. Shouldn't he be looking into that? Yeah, it's like well, I can put this murder on hold because someone spray painted a donut. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Some ugly sculptures got spray painted. I'm on the call. So uh, Bennett is basically grilling Tess about. Bennett thinks Tess is hiding something, and maybe that's his interest in this case. Is he's like, you know, they're involved in this murder yeah, thing, so. and now they're involved in this. They're involved gotta, in every plot. It seems. Yeah, the, every right. every crime in Seacouver, Duncan McLeod <laughs> is involved in somehow. Junior crime fighter Duncan <laughs> <That's right>. McLeod. <laughs> Tess is basically keeping quiet about all the vanity stuff because she doesn't want to rat out Duncan. Right. So then we cut over to now Vanity, and she's again training, and she's doing some kind of lunge exercise. And she's wearing an amazing coat. <laughs> it, it looks like a carpet at Chuck E. Cheese. <laughs> yep. It You're is. right. No, it's like a like at the the roller rink. Right? Yeah, yeah. It's the carpet <laughs> with like it's just like neon squiggles on a purple border. It yep. is like for as sexy as they go out of their way to make her in every other shot she's in. Yeah, this is like the frumpiest, yep. goofiest thing I've ever seen. And she's Very just weird. spinning in slow mo and stabbing, yeah. and like that's the whole scene. Like yep. nothing happens. So like yep. there's this interrogation. Then they just cut to Vanity spinning around, and then they just cut back, and it's like, okay, that's yeah. a scene. There you go. We got it. And then Duncan is now reflecting back for some reason on his relationship with Reinhardt, and this is this was like driving me nuts because this is like back to back. Like once again, we have an immortal who Duncan apparently has had a rivalry through time with, right? Just like Alexi in Sea Witch. But we don't ever actually get to see it. We just kind of hear Duncan talk about it. Yeah. In a really unsatisfying way. And Oh, in the meantime, Vanity t- comes to the v- antique store and steals the sword. Right. right. Which is, I don't know why she didn't steal it early. Like, I don't know what her plan is. Like, well, she as, said- will, as will be revealed later, like, there is some sort of, like, master plot with Reinhardt and stuff. But, like, I'm not sure what her deal is. Like, right. she, at first, I, I was wondering, it's when she came to see that sword. Or see, see the spear at the beginning of the episode. 
was she just inter- like she seems to be like into weapons and into fencing. I was she just she... interested in the spear and I... saw the sword and was like, oh wow, like this is all connected and I didn't know about it. I read it that she knew that sword was there and she was does. using the spear as a way to just get in. I guess she could have also just inquired about the sword yeah. because she could just buy the sword. So like, I, just, I don't know oh. why, what her scheme is. Like why, why all this deception? Why just not come? Well, she wants, if she wants to kill Duncan. Like yeah. that seems to be her end game with all this. Like she doesn't, she never uncovers more of the plot. Like right. she, she never like corners Duncan and asks questions or talks to like threatens people in his family that are like, Oh, what actually happened? Like, Oh, you're right. It was Duncan. Like I'm definitely going to kill him. Well, I think she gets her, I think she suspects Duncan before she arrives and seeing the sword is like the big clue that she's correct. It is Duncan. So why not kill him or try to kill him in that sparring match the first time? Like, it's just like everything is delayed in the episode. Like, it's just like, we need to make this last for 43 minutes. Right. uh, Like, I guess she won't kill him early. Well, here's the other thing. So, Rebecca Vanity tells Tess, I'm taking this sword and I'm going to kill Duncan with it. And Tess is like, no, you don't understand. If if I could only just tell you. She's going to tell this stranger, like, Duncan's whole thing. Like, this is the second time she's going to, like, (laughs) uncover all his, like, Secrets, which are pretty important to keep, like yeah. pretty, just weird, pretty important. Yeah. yeah. Although it, I, I was also unclear if Vanity knows about Immortals because she makes a comment earlier when they they spar the second time or when she's stabbing like the dummy. Right. Uh, she's like, oh well, we could fight right now. There's no witnesses. Like that is your way, isn't it? And yeah. I was like, wait, like she's aware of Immortals. See, I just interpreted that to mean that, like. I think more that she thinks he's involved in some weird fight club. Oh, I don't know. You I mean, know, cause oh, right, because she finds that list. Right. Yeah, and he's the only one that's still alive on it. Then we also find out that, like, obviously Reinhardt was game for this because he was a master swordsman. Right. Not only that, like, he did actually fight him when there were no witnesses. Mm-hmm. So I don't think we necessarily. I was. I raised an eyebrow at that too, but I don't see a reason to think that. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the knows. day, it doesn't matter because it's like either she thinks he killed him because he's mortal and he right. got stabbed and is dead, or she knows about immortals and he beheaded him. Like the same. It's the same thing. Uh, but yeah, I think it just paints an odd picture. Like I'm never sure if she knows about it because Tess and Duncan have a whole conversation later. Like. Well, didn't didn't she know? And he's like, "No, I trusted you. Like that's why I shared right. my immortality with you." And you get the impression like, "Oh, Reinhardt didn't trust her and didn't share it." So I don't. These two things seem to be kind of at odds with each other. Like, yeah, which was another one of those things that Duncan seemingly just knows. Yeah, because like this is part of the whole weird exposition of Reinhardt that goes on throughout the entire thing, where Duncan just has to keep telling you what a bad guy he is, even though. Frankly, we never actually see him on camera doing anything bad. Like later, things get attributed to him. But yeah, well, I mean, I mean, I guess except for robbing that the carriage. mugging. Yeah. yeah. Or, All right, so Kyle, you, you're you're bringing up this monologue Duncan has. Like he's trying to put this together. Do you want to talk about this? And we can play the clip, I guess. As well, let's play the clip. This okay. is baffling. It's like this weird noir moment. Well, Duncan mumbling. He's got yeah. like a mouthful of marbles. What is he saying? It was a game where he tried to set the rules. Life to the victor and death to the loser. But what about Rebecca? Is she his ally or his pawn? What? What the fuck is that? I I can read it. I wrote it down just so we can clarify. So he says, 
what makes people what they are? Is evil the opposite of good? As soon as I like, real like existential shit. <laughs> like as soon as the shot started, I was like, "What is this?" And when he said, "Is evil the opposite of good?" The first time I saw this, I laughed out loud. I was like, <laughs> "What?" Uh, or just good made evil by hate. Uh, ter- that that's like Yoda stuff. That's like anger. Fear leads to anger. Anger leads to hate. And again, we've seen none of this evidenced in the episode. So to Reinhardt, it was always a game where he tried to set the rules. Life to the victor and death to the loser. But what about Rebecca? Is she his ally or his pawn? This is like all non sequitur. Like, I don't... This is nuts. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> but no, they, they introduce this like noir element and they, they introduce like insane character development for Reinhardt. Reinhardt is always playing games with people and they bring that up later and it's like, what are you talking about? Like, all we've ever seen him do is just be like a common thief, basically, and just yeah, do a whole and lot. get thrown off a roof. And get thrown off a roof. And it's like, all of a sudden, like, he's manipulating players. It's like, none of this shit is set up. Why do we think this at all? It's nuts. Yeah. Which, though, this this sequence made me think, like, man, it'd be really fun to do, like, one-off noir episodes of Highlander well, where all this shit happens. That's where they fucking should have done it. And then, well, we're going to get to the next episode, See No Evil, and... Yeah. That's where this thing should be. I don't know. We'll get into that later. Uh, But yeah, a one-off noir episode, like a detective thing, would be really cool. It would be. Um, But yeah, this is just thrown in there. And stylistically, too. Like, we've never had a voiceover before. Like, this is just... A whole new, whole new world. Yeah, <laughs> I really think like this episode really needed more flashbacks. Like they needed yeah. to set up more encounters between Duncan and Reinhardt, and specifically they needed to establish how Reinhardt plays the game and what it is that like how he would try to get at Duncan and like set up this manipulation. But we're seeing that in the past it. couple episodes. It's like the last episode, the which we're like, hey, more flashback. Like I don't think they've really gotten the hang of like bridging these two time periods and like or the, having, or having the budget de- or the budget yeah maybe that's a big part of it like the yeah. development of like character development happening from the flashback bridge through to present day is like not there it's just like these are two separate things honestly you could cut the flashbacks in like half of these episodes and you can like you, you can, wouldn't even notice it wouldn't matter you can cut reinhardt out of this episode like that's a that's a perfectly compl- compelling plot that a mortal wants revenge on an immortal for taking, you know, your Right, because she doesn't away. understand if she doesn't know what the deal was, right. this is this is foreign to her and it doesn't make sense and she's trying to make sense of it and her she's got to take revenge, I guess. And but that's maybe not I don't that's not the right response or it's a I mean maybe it is the right response, but she doesn't know all the pieces. So Right. Honestly, I think the the limited amount that they show us of Reinhard would have worked if Reinhard wasn't the ultimate villain. I think that would have actually made would have been what makes this thing go. It would have been kind of nice if like Tess is actually right. Right. Duncan is just letting this kind of like his like the flip side of his chivalrous nature mm-hmm. is like this kind of sexism where he underestimates her. Right. And the whole time he's trying to give her a pass because Reinhardt's out there. It's really Reinhardt. It's really Reinhardt. And like maybe he and Duncan doesn't kill him. Like he knows this guy's out there, but it isn't. It's just her trying to fuck with him and he needs to figure out how to deal with that, you know, dealing with this like a mortal adversary and like trying to figure out whether or not to kill her. Mm-hmm. Also it would have been a cool opportunity to maybe have Reinhardt actually come back in the future. Um, yeah. That would be cool. As a character. And now Duncan's like extra like this. Now we've actually gotten to see like a concrete touchstone of like 
you know, why Reinhardt is a, is a bad guy and like how he is able to play people might have been interesting. Yeah, um, might have been. Well, could have been. Mm. So Tess gets a special delivery. Yeah. Uh, while this is all going on, she gets this like super sexy dress. Yeah, it's uh, like sequins on it's it. A lot of with, sequins. with like fucking itching powder in it or whatever. Yeah. It's, it's got some chemical on it that they say when it hit her body heat or something. It had to heat up. Like this random doctor <laughs> who looks a By bit... By like a couple degrees. What? Yeah. Like, so, yeah, this this dress burns her. Duncan pulls her into the shower and takes it off. And it's a pretty violent scene. Like she yeah. freaks it's out. It's super violent. They're in she the shower. In this scene. Yeah. yeah, and she's like losing it and yeah. like he's tearing her clothes off. It's like, it's a rough scene. But why doesn't he take her to the hospital? It, 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 he what has an on-call doctor. An right? on-call <laughs> doctor. Who looks kind of like Starsh and like yeah, yeah. somehow figures out what the deal was. Like, how did he determine there was a chemical on this that was released by body heat? Like, what test did he perform to do that? None of this makes sense. Dr. Magic. Uh, so he looks it up on a computer. He has, a, he has some software upgrades. He figured it out. Uh, so then back to, like, the, the core of the story. Richie's at the car dealership. Oh, my God. And Angie shows back up with the car she bought and it's like a complete junker it turns out that i guess like the dealer like turned back the odometer right and so they have some deal like it doesn't it none of the shit matters like nope. th- i've this is where i, I want to get it get all this shit like it, what the fuck this plot why does it even exist that nothing happens so the the conclusion of this like plot thread is that at the end of this like argument, Richie is going to make commission on this car that's what like forty thousand. It's like ex- an extremely it's, expensive car. It's like a Mercedes. And also, right. I don't know why the this used car dealership is dealing with it, but whatever. Yeah. And apparently, Richie like the the cover is Richie helped this guy, so the guy only wants to deal with Richie. Right. So like his, Richie's boss is like, no, 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 I'll give you like fucking anything. You just have to go get this car. Yeah. So right. he wants Richie to deliver this car to this guy. It, we later find out that it's Reinhardt. And right. so Reinhardt takes Richie hostage. So th- at this point, it's like, wait, what is the whole point of this B-plot? All it is is to get Richie, Richie kidnapped, kidnapped by Reinhardt. Which like, he could have done, done anyway. It doesn't yeah. matter. Like, he could have just taken him off the street. Like, yep. any sort of thing. But other like then there's just this whole plot of Richie being a car salesman that, like, adds, I think, nothing to his character, really. Although I guess maybe you could say that it's like, eh, he's like, Trying to be a go-getter, but it uh, adds laughs. Keith. This is awful. Yeah, it really laughs. is played for laughs, like yeah. pretty, pretty hard. Why this plot is in there? They should have some other B plot. Honestly, it's hard to even think of because it's like it could literally be anything. Yeah, like anything. Hey, do you have a thing that gets a guy in a place where he can be, he can encounter another guy? Done. Yep. What do you think Richie should have done in this episode? Ooh, good question. Right uh, in. He should, audience. he should have vandalized the sculpture. <laughs> <laughs> it was me, Tess. Sorry. <laughs> so Richie's kidnapped and is forced to call Duncan uh, to come get him. Like, he's got Richie, but he doesn't play him to his advantage in any way. Right. Like, he just leaves him in the car. Yeah. Like, he, it's just to draw out Duncan to a fight, which Duncan would have accepted anyway. Like, oh, yeah. Duncan wants to beat him right like this whole the whole kidnapping is just unnecessary and the, the goal is to get duncan to rebecca's house to fight basically and maybe yeah. he wants them to take each other out i don't know yeah i i have this like what is reinhardt's plan so he wants duncan to fight vanity i think so but why does he want vanity out of the picture i think that she he thinks that vanity can beat him and if not so then he's just gonna hang out and get the quickening Maybe, or he's going to come in afterwards and finish the job 
because you know it's played up the vanity is quite good at sword right. fighting. Okay, here's here's my next question. Uh, I was gonna get to this later. We'll, we'll get to this. fuck this episode. <laughs> <laughs> this is so again, like I'm, I've been trying to piece together like what both their schemes are. So Reinhardt's scheme. Okay, let's say he does want Vanity to face off against McLeod. Where has Reinhardt been for since 1989? She's been training for three years. Right. So she's only been training for three years for this. Like, so at what point did she start putting the pieces of the puzzle together? Like, right. well, she's obviously been training before this, but right because oh, like she because yeah, she knows Reinhardt's move. Right. So um, it's been three years. Like, where has he been? Is he just waiting for this to happen? Like, I hope <laughs> she. I hope she figures it out. Yeah. Because then I can get Duncan. Like, yeah. I don't. I don't. That's nuts. Well, so this was my assumption because the thing that's because she wants to find the killer, right? So he arranges for her to find the list. You think? I. That's that is what I think. What? Right? Because he vanishes purposefully. So I assume that he wanted her to find this list kind of in due time. Because I guess he didn't think he could kill Duncan, even though he almost did. Well, the whole, yeah. I think the... Like, he was like, he was there. He was going to do it. Yeah. Well, I think this is supposed to fit in with this notion we're supposed to have of Reinhardt, that he plays people and it's like this game within a game. And I think that's what this is supposed to be part of, that, like, he... Because also he wants to, like, key Duncan up and, like, use whatever tools is at his advantage, regardless of whether or not he could win a straight-up fight, which, mm. as you may have guessed, he cannot. Yeah. <laughs> well, Duncan and Vanity kind of play Reinhardt also. They come up with their own plot where they're going to pretend to fight and Duncan's going to pretend to kill Vanity. So how does... He convinced Vanity that that happens off screen, so we don't know. But yeah. it does. Like he he certainly seems to like be like, okay, just get your revenge. Let's do this. And she can't. She's not actually a bad person. Right. Um, so that's kind of when it's clear that she's not behind any of this mm -hmm. stuff. And then I guess off screen he convinces her, like, if I pretend to kill you, Reinhardt will show himself. And you'll be able to see for yourself that I'm telling the truth. Like, they pretend to fight, and then Vanity goes into another room, and Duncan pretends to stab her, and she screams. But they would only have to do this if they knew Reinhardt was wa watching. They had no Duncan way... does. Does he? How? Yeah. Because, so Richie, in the phone call, keeps on saying, Mr. McLeod, Mr. McLeod, right. and somehow that is a signal to Duncan oh, that it's no. Reinhardt. Because yeah. as soon as he hangs up, well, as soon as... Well, I was a little curious about that innuendo, too. But <laughs> yeah. Duncan, as soon as he hangs up, is convinced immediately. He's like, right. even though Richie says Rebecca's got me, he's like, no, he was telling me that it's Reinhardt. I agree it's weird. But Duncan, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I agree that like the messaging is strange. But it's when Duncan hangs up the phone, even though Richie, sa Richie says Rebecca has me, he's like, he's yeah. been ki kidnapped by Reinhardt. Right. So the plan was to for him to go to Rebecca's house. So, so because he knows that Reinhardt's nearby with Richie, Reinhardt's got Richie. I think he it's fair for him to say okay. that Reinhardt's that, watching. It's probably not fair to him to know from from Richie saying that that yeah. Reinhardt's got him. But well, that I can track. It's just literally like he doesn't know Reinhardt is watching them sword fight right then, right that second, and like he's like leaning over Vanity's body, like. Is he just gonna like watch over her body forever until, <laughs> until Reinhardt shows, shows up? up? Yeah, like 
and how does he know what window Reinhardt's going to look through? <laughs> like, Reinhardt just comes up and happens to look through the perfect window where he can see this thing play. I know it's a TV show, but <laughs> <laughs> that really bugs me. We can me. sum up a lot of these discussions. Yeah. With, oh, it's a TV show. Yeah. No, there's, it's a lot of coincidences and conveniences, I guess. So Reinhardt reveals himself after he thinks McLeod has killed Vanity. And he's like, uh, you know, how do you like that? <laughs> And then Vanity leaps up and it's like, you piece of shit. Duncan and Reinhardt then get into it. Reinhardt's got this cool scarf. I thought it was cool. Mm-hmm. I don't know. He like takes it off. I was like, yeah, this guy's classy. Yeah. Um, he's a classy guy. Classy. I mean, that, that's the way he's got his character. Classy Wall seems Street very, pirate. Yeah, yeah. He's like very like well to do. So they get into it. I thought the fight choreography in this was pretty cool. It was pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I, I like that the, the, this fight also, just like in the Sea Witch, moved around a lot. Like they start in this kind of like training room. They tumble out of the window. They're they in roll the garden. Down the stairs, then yeah. They go, yeah, the lawn, the garden. Like it moves around a whole lot. But then Reinhardt does like his signature move, the wrist grab. Or yeah, and you think he's gonna get him, but somehow I guess Duncan, since he's seen this move before, yeah, he like he avoids can, it. He avoids it and stabs him and takes his head. I was just gonna say the quickening for this is just a bunch of potted plants exploding. It's just like fuck the garden. Like the yeah. whole garden blows up. So I was kind of let down by that. Yeah, this is the first uh, Bill Panzer in an interview talks about. This is the first time they've done a daytime quickening, ah. and he's like, "And the last, he's yeah. like, it. We didn't really know quite how to do it, and I don't think anybody was really happy no. with the results. I um, mean, they can't blow up the house. Although they did a they did a daytime quickening in uh, Innocent Man. Oh, that's kind of a daytime. Daytime. Yeah, but it's when, the, when the shack, really when the shack blows up. Mountain Men's a little daytimey too. Yeah. This one definitely is a different sort of quick yeah, thing with yeah. the plants. Yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't know about that. Poor um, flowers. So after the quickening, Richie just like comes over and he's like, "I escaped." So that was another thing that I thought was like, huh? like, why, like again, Duncan didn't need to save Richie. If right. Duncan had lost that fight. Richie would have escaped and been okay, presumably. Yeah. Uh, so that's like a little like kind of too bad that Dun- Duncan should have saved Richie. Yeah. Um, and then Vanity talked about how she was like really like crushing on Mac. Which was yeah. so silly. It's like you wanted to kill this guy up until a minute ago well, I and guess, he's been a dick to you. Well, I guess all the like sexual tension and stuff, like maybe that wasn't like a joke. Like that was yeah. all like She was legit. into him, but. Um, and of course she would crush on him. I mean, it's like, how are you not going to get star on the show and not be like, ooh. Um, but one note i have here is this i kind of actually like this plot a lot if this was like the whole season like if this was a continuing thread through the season i think this could have been really strong like if we met reinhardt like if he's a character that appears like in the shadows or we just still like throughout like 20 episodes never know if he's really there or not Vanity is always after him, appears every couple episodes. And then, like, also we're introduced to this other, like, love triangle thing. Like, because Duncan seems to kind of dig her a little bit, too. Yeah. uh, Yeah. And it's like, oh, like, maybe, like, there's all these kind of forces pulling at Duncan. And, and, like, I don't know. There's a lot of tension in this episode. And I think if they had opened it up a little bit more, this could have been a really, like, solid, like, season arc. uh, With Reinhardt being, like... The big villain at the end that like shocker he's there and yeah uh, and then i also got to explore like lots more flashbacks and seeing what he was really like also something that i thought would have been really satisfying on this is this is the first time i think we've seen a character with a signature move so to speak we see this move yeah. a couple yeah. times with this yeah. wrist grab and maybe it's like all the kung fu movies and anime i've seen but 
I thought it would have been really satisfying if the resolution of this story was that she teaches him this move and how to beat it. Yeah. Because we don't really get an explanation for how he gets out. Like, it seems like this guy has him over a barrel, and then we don't really... I don't understand how how Duncan gets away with it. Yeah. Or how he escapes the move when it seems like he's... Reinhardt's already got him in it. Yeah. But that would have been something that would have been kind of satisfying that... Yeah, that would have been cool. Totally. You know, she teaches him how to escape. Uh, and that's kind of the end of the episode. They play, oh, who wants to live forever at the end? Yeah. Which was, again, always glad when they bring mm-hmm. in those musical elements. And that's it. And then the credits roll. Oh, and I have a note here because we actually haven't talked about the credits at all. Yeah. Anybody have a clue what the credits are? Because it's just like a, like, what are we watching? Like the it's Stargate or puddle? something? The it's blue just like vortex. a blue yeah. vortex thing. I don't know. It was, uh, as I was watching, I was like, I've never even considered what the fuck that is. Like, yeah. It's that's, just that's spinning blueness. And I think it's a puddle. Maybe a puddle? Well, uh-huh. well, is now it the that, source? Yeah. I'm saying, <laughs> now that we've introduced that that was in, in, their head. in the ether somewhere, maybe it was the source. Maybe it's the source. I don't know, it's just like magic blue stuff. I don't know. I, I never it questioned it. I don't no, know. Nor did I ever there. until this point watching it. I was just like, huh, like, what is that? Like, um, vaguely mystical water. Yeah. Toilet bowl. I'm trying to think if I have anything else on this episode. Oh, I had kind of, just, as a side note, I was thinking about the cops involvement in all of this and kind of wondering what the writer's end game for this was. Cause we know they kind of like pussyfoot around this whole, like, do we want the cops to like really get involved? Like they never really ask questions or anything right. like, so what was the, like what tension is, are the, is the cop element like adding to this show? If the cops do uncover this, like what are the stakes then? Like is the problem that the cops will reveal this secret? Will they help Duncan in the game? Like, I'm just kind of wondering like what, what could happen if the cops find out? And then I had this other theory. Also, since we're at the end of the episode, kind of a spoiler alert. So if you don't want to hear this, I'll repeat. Spoiler alert. Uh, I actually thought what a cool twist could have been for the for a cop character to like make it kind of count for something. Because again, these cop characters don't. It doesn't matter. Like right. it's just like it's like a throwaway thing. But maybe the cops become what are the hunters later, uh. which are the evil watchers. And they kind of almost have more motivation because, like, these cops don't necessarily know what, what, what's at stake, what, what the whole picture is. They just find out that, like, these guys are immortal, they're better than us, they're playing some game. So they have a misunderstanding, perhaps, about what's going on. And it's like, now that we know this and we're cops, like, let's go get the immortals. I thought that would be a bit of been an interesting way to deal with this cop element because I just kind of can't figure out, like, what was the plan? Like... Was it ever, was it ever going to do anything, or does it just sit? It just sits there as just like this element yeah. that does nothing. Or even like maybe like the police or the FBI or something. They have like a specific task force that's just meant with dealing with immortal crime. Yeah, like, like an X Files sort yeah, of yeah. thing that like that they really cool. do investigate. But yeah, it just seems think, to not do anything. And I feel like that could have been a cool way to take it. I think the best way forward for this probably would have been. If you had a cop the entire time, it would have to be one person first yeah. off. Like you need someone to at least be the face of, even if there are more people involved. Like one person kind of needs to be the 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 head of the whole thing. And I think Powell has been by far our best cop. Right. But yeah, uh, well, you never forget had... your first. But <laughs> yeah. in any case, uh, 
what would have been interesting because of course what is the end game like if this cop discovers discovers it what is he gonna do go tell all of his friends oh by the way there are magic immortals that yeah right. that are sword fighting each other like no no one's gonna believe that but like that would have been a cool way to introduce the watchers that like maybe part of the way you become watchers which again this is like a oh, mild that's spoiler. a great idea this is a mild spoiler but you know, there are mortals called Watchers who watch immortals and chronicle the game that maybe it's when a mortal discovers immortals independently and on their own. That's like a criteria yeah, for you get Watchers like in. to bring you in. And mm-hmm. then that character would have continued relevance in the future. It also might be fun if like the Watchers in some sense are involved in concealing the game and they want people like law enforcement and their numbers as a way of preventing this from getting out in the open. Oh, that's a great idea. And of course, if you have a newly minted one, they might have a problem with that because they fundamentally want to solve murders and crimes and all these different things. There'll be lots of cool tensions to play with. Yeah. Nice right. stuff. Sounds awesome. Spitballing. Good stuff. That would be a good TV show. Hello. Yeah. <laughs> Sign us up. Yeah, get Bennett. What's well, the other thing? Like, Bennett, I'm guessing he just fizzles out. But in these few episodes he's in, like, McLeod is like... You know, like a rock in his shoe or something. Like, he's, like, really suspicious of McLeod. And, I mean, that could have been something interesting to play up if he's not just going to get thrown out like all the other cops in, like, two episodes. (laughs) Right. Uh, So, thank you very much for watching, everybody. Uh, Thanks for sticking around. Uh, Make sure to review us on iTunes. Uh, We appreciate that very much. Uh, Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Facebook. Um, contribute. Uh, there's a lot of people on there adding interesting things. Make sure to write us if you have any comments on these episodes. It's Highlander Rewatched at gmail.com. And then, of course, we're also on Twitter at The Rewatchers and on Instagram at Highlander Rewatched. All right. Awesome. Thanks again for listening and join us next week when we discuss episode 11 See No Evil. Bye. Bye bye. See I everyone stop. McLeod. McLeod. Yes. You're the talent for brutality. <laughs>